Excellent, excellent. Well, great to see so many people. Um, so my name is Nick O'Brien. I'll be uh, presenting to you today on the subject about migrations and the opportun opportunities for our partners. Um, I've got a little agenda. I'll just sort of take you through. So my name's Nick O'Brien. I'm the EMEA lead for migrations. And um, for the second half of this presentation, I'll also be joined by Andy Ferner, who runs our program globally. So what we're going to talk about in this session is um, four parts, really. Uh, firstly, I've, um, I've run a, created a little poll so I can find out a little bit about yourselves and make sure that this, this uh, presentation is appropriate for you. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, it'll involve you getting your mobile phones out and then just keying in a URL and then the questions will flash up. So I'll, I'll put that up in a moment and you'll, you'll see that. It's uh, pretty straightforward. Um, but then I'm really going to move into um, answering a number of questions that are often on partners' minds. So the types of questions that people are interested in is, uh, you know, why should I invest in building out my migration practice? And um, is it a compelling proposition for customers? Have I missed the boat? Is it too late? Lots of questions like that. So I'm going to go in and talk about those sort of particular points. Then I'm going to move on and talk about some of the things that we're doing where we're trying to help you guys short circuit the sales cycle and create assets that you can use in your situation. So I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. And then I'm going to hand over to Andy. And Andy's really going to sort of like emphasize on the programmatic approach. So how can you get access to these things and use them in your customer engagements? So take you through that side of things as well. Okay, um, so I'm going to move on and we'll start with this poll just to find out a little bit more about you. So this is the URL. So if you've got your phone and you can get to a browser, this is the, uh, this is the URL that you just need to key in. And then you'll be presented with some questions and then you can just sort of choose interactively the ones that you want. So I'll give you a second just to key that in. Once you've done that, give me the thumbs up. Okay, I'll move, on to the, I'll, I'll move on to the actual application itself and then uh, you'll, you'll still see the URL on the, uh, the first, first screen. So, if you're still looking for the correct URL, it's written up at the top. So, um, just to sort of check, test that it works, I've got a sort of jokey question here, which is, uh, how many steps do you take when you're walking around reInvent? Um, less than 10,000 a day. We're very interested in what, you, what, 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 what techniques you've got. Between 10 and 20, over 20,000, you're doing a lot of walking, and don't ask me, I'm just a little bit too tired. So you put your answers in there, and then we're gonna get on some more serious questions. Okay, so we're starting to see that. Cool, okay, all right, so then move on to the more serious stuff. So I'm interested just in terms of uh, your experience in the room, just to get a sense of when, when I talk about this, just whereabouts you are in your journeys as a business. Um, so how many public cloud migration projects has your organization undertaken? Wow, that's quite an interesting spread. So we've got 10% of the room are just, just really just getting started, uh, or probably if we, you know, up to five, so it's nearly half. And then we have some real experts in the room as well that have done quite a few. So hopefully we'll put a balance together of content where we'll talk about things that will help you if you're just at the early stages and also talk about some of the things that are new as well. So, uh, so you can be a little bit more familiar. Cool. It's good to know. Everyone done there? Let's move on to the next question. So aside from the organization perspective, just interested as well in your personal roles. So just want to get a feel for how do you feel that migrations or transformation projects are for your personal roles in those businesses. So uh, um, you're aspirational, you're just starting, probably a few of those given, given what we saw earlier. Um, top priority, great to see, great to see. It's top priority for me too. Um, it's an important revenue stream, it's small and growing, okay. so. Fantastic. So we've got so so the emphasis is definitely in the high priority end. So that's that's really really good to know. And um, so the next question is is are you using any of our funding programs to help you in those customer engagements? So you're completely unfamiliar. That's why you're here. So you know you expect that, so we can talk to, talk to you about that. That is good. Uh, you're fairly familiar, you've delivered, delivered some, but you've primarily done it without the programs. Okay, so that's a large proportion as well. And, uh, and then our final category is I'm familiar, I've used them, interested in understanding what's new. So, uh, so again, okay, so good. So we'll put our emphasis in our conversation today about just explaining how they work 
and we'll sort of give you some insights, some of the things that are coming along as well. Lovely. Now, so I'm also interested as well, from any, anything that we can do that you come into the room thinking, I do wish AWS did this. So this is your chance, your free text, you can write what you like, we can give you more leads, uh, put more money into projects, um, uh, maybe vertical solutions, anything that you think, just to give us some feedback on things that would be really helpful from your perspective that we could do uh, when it comes to sort of migration. So if you've got anything there that you want to sort of share, it's, I mean, it's all anonymous, so don't, don't feel like um, we're looking at it specifically. Give you a moment. Agile fail and security. Okay, cool. And please, please pick this up with me afterwards or in the Q&A. Security, another important point. Spread the love. Okay, okay, fair point. Right here, they're starting to come through now. Um, assist technical reviews, good. Okay, funding, good. We're going to talk about that. Uh, sales funnel, identifying opportunities. Okay, good. Engage us earlier, you hear that a lot. Okay, brilliant. Share successes, nice. Better library of tech resources that product-specific costs. Okay, I can talk about that a little bit as well. Common commercial plan, nice joint, joint sales plans. Migration funds, okay. Business, business buy-in, excellent, excellent. Train personnel in migration tools and sales manager TCO. Cool, okay, I'm gonna to touch on that as well. Increased margins, good point. Blimey. Okay, some really good feedback, thank you. Okay, so I'm gonna switch back to our presentation now. Good, that's great to know. So, as I mentioned at the outset, the, um, I've got about six top topics I'm gonna just really just sort of discuss really. And um, I think this is very important for those of you that are at the, um, at those sort of, you know, that 50% are right at the beginning where you're just maybe undertaking the first few projects. Um, so the question's about why should we invest in the migration practice? Why, you know, maybe you're a, you're a DevOps business or you've been doing native cloud development and you're thinking about pursuing a little bit more about uh, cloud projects and doing more migrations. So what's in it for you? So for the partners, that's, that's the first thing that I want to know. And, um, and the first point I think has got to be is, is there a compelling proposition for the customer? Is there something that is really going to make customers interested in migrating? And uh, I've done quite a lot of, uh, all, all the research you're going to see actually is all public domain. You can, you, can, you can look it all up. I put the sources there, literally no more than just Googling it and it should flash up as the first few results. Uh, but if you do have problems, my email address is there or you can catch me on LinkedIn uh, if you're interested in anything specifically. Um, but uh, but I've pulled together quite a lot of research. And, um, one of the things I want to do with the research is just share with you is like, is it a compelling proposition for customers? So answer that first question and to break it out into four parts. Um, one of the primary drivers is our customers seeing cost reductions when they move to cloud. So we've done quite a lot of work here um, and you know, we can always do this with spreadsheets and model it, but the real evidence is actually once customers have been on the platform and we interview them. So we've done some benchmarking with our customers and uh, we've asked about 500 of them. And we're, this is a rolling program, so we're continuously asking customers these questions about uh, how much are they saving? And really what we tend to see is that it, it, it moves through the 20s into the low 30s as a rule when you're looking at like-for-like -like comparisons. Uh, it goes a little bit higher if, um, if the company's bigger. It goes a little bit higher if they've been on the platform longer. It probably goes into the low 30s if they're exclusively trying, uh, moving onto one cloud as opposed to trying to run multiple clouds at the same time. So, but verily, the sort of like, and, and if you're an enterprise, it tends to be, um, the, the larger the accounts tend to see that, you know, a percentage or two improvement as well. But typically it's pivoting at the top end of the 20s. That's what we'd see as a sort of like a like-for-like -like comparison. So a company saying, I run infrastructure, I run it differently. Um, what we see as well is that if we then ask the question about what about some of the other benefits and savings where you're avoiding costs uh, due to downtime or sort of staff uh, related, then again, as a common rule, we're sort of like then seeing about a sort of 50% saving. 
that is the norm and I think it's fair to explain to people there is norm there are always like you know at the end of any distribution curve there are exceptional situations and it's good to also hear about those as well because we got to ask ourselves what particularly are they doing and uh, I've put just an example up there from uh, from Edmunds uh, a US business um, which has a sort of like web-based prop uh, I think 20 million people hit their site for car comparisons now they're up at the 70% in savings and then when you de delve into why is that happening it's a public case study you can read it as well uh, what that you see is that they're taking more of the cloud native approach they are moving not just for like for like but they're doing more transformations in this instance they're moving to lambda and they're really sort of like using more of the cloud native sort of technologies available and then securing stronger savings as a consequence of that so I think you know going back to our original question is why should we build a practice because there's good business out there there's good compelling reasons for customer to come when it comes when it in terms of cost reduction and that continues and you will often you'll often hear us if you've been to other presentations we'll sort of pivot on these four particular topics so cost reductions resilience is number two so what we've seen as well with customers is that um, when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, the, the, the speed in which they can recover from an outage they, they are doing it faster on the cloud so they're being able to resume services quicker in the worst case situations. And we're also seeing a, a massive reduction by 50% circa of reductions when it comes to severe in, incidents, so the sort of P1s of the world. And one of the things I was really encouraged about when I was looking at, again, the outliers, the examples of really strong performance, is that uh, in the case study here for Mitsu Cole, is that this was an organization that was running availability around the 85%. That's what they publicly stated. And they've moved that up to 99.99. Now that is incredible performance, really. And that used to be the preserve of the really big enterprises that could put massive investment into data centers, have huge, you know, strong structures around change management, things like that. So what we're seeing is organizations being able to sort of inherit the same sort of levels of resilience on the cloud that would otherwise be hard to attain um, in their businesses. So resilience is the second reason why customers are sort of driving towards the, the cloud. Third is productivity. Uh, we're seeing improved productivity for people who are managing infrastructure, improved productivity for people who are developing. And we're also seeing the outputs of that work is that they're able, you know, often for changing the cultural ways in which they're working by being able to actually see much more deployments uh, in the instance here from the Washington Post. 50 deployments an hour. It really gives them an ability to actually get work done, get it out there. And that's something that they were constrained about in the past. The final area that it's worth touching upon is just about that business agility, slightly referenced a little bit with the Washington Post example, but again, the ability for companies to be able to get to market quicker, or when they're actually bringing out new releases, to be able to pack that with more features and, and, and functions. So what we're seeing there is that they're getting more stuff done and they're getting it done quicker. And there's a great example here as well from an Australian businesses, uh, business called AFG, where they said, and I think this is quite typical, we used to spend about 80% of our IT budget on operations and now we're spending 60% on innovation. So that ability to pivot and find you know, new ways in which they can advance their business rather than spend their IT just simply running what they've, what they've currently got. So they're the four primary reasons we think that you know, they we're going to see continuous drive and, and adoption of, the, of, of migrations. So the sort of next question that we ask is, well, have we missed the boat? Is it too late? Have other partners already got there ahead of us? And the reality, again, is no. We are still, in a sort of Amazon speak, still on day one. We're, we're, you know, we, we've seen some of the innovative companies, some of the early adopters, like Take On Cloud. But the vast majority, when you ask someone like Gartner, when they poll the market, is they're saying that 88% of organizations refer to having a cloud-first strategy. But in terms of where they're actually spending their money, it's still the vast majority still spent on premise. So there's still a huge amount to go after. And I, th I remember in, in, in Andy Jassy's keynote speech as well, he was talking about you know, what share we've got of the market. So there's still a huge amount for you to go for as partners. Um, and that's, um, that's also you know, evident when, we, when there's uh, research done and asked people that own some of these like, major applications that, you know, that are sort of like so prevalent. SAP expectations are that, three, that, that the amount on the cloud will treble over the next two years as people move their on-premise on SAP systems onto the cloud and not quite as a as, as large number but doubling on the Oracle footprints as well. So specific um, workloads, you know, we still see, you know, strong growth and we're still, you know, pretty early on actually. I think in the SAP case it was like 20% moving up to 60% over a two-year period. So still quite a low basis.
The other research that we've done, which is like really important to try and persuade our partner community that they should be uh, strengthening or beginning to invest in migration practices, is some research we did with some of our more uh, longer term partners. And um, they, were, they, they allowed us to, to commission Forrester, about seven or eight organisations, to really do a deep dive into their business and start looking at about how they run their businesses, how they invest money, how they partner with us, what sort of structures that they adopt and what sort of results and outcomes are they getting. And then what, what uh, Forrester then did is they sort of anonymized that information and they created like a, um, or you could almost say like a prototype organization that said like, you know, if you, if you behave like these organizations on the whole, these are the types of results that you can see. And it's a fascinating read. It's, it's again, I've referenced it up there. And what they're saying is that an organization, you know, should be able to acquire 15 new customers over a three year period. They'll be able to see really strong revenue growth, $61 million that. Just to put that into context, about 40 million of that is through migrations. Margins are healthy, good amounts of follow on work. And there's also a sort of like a multiplier. So they've been quite interested to see what is the multiplier from a dollar spent with us on AWS platform versus a dollar in versus the amount of money that partners would be getting. And there's good strong multipliers there that can vary, but still, you know, five to 11% is what's quoted. So, I mean, I'd encourage you if you're having difficult discussions, trying to secure extra investment into migration practices to have a look at that because it really is strong evidence from some of our partners really based on how they've experienced it. And it goes into quite detail about how they invest in marketing, how they build their practices out, how they sort of like, you know, you know, invest in IP in areas as well. So, you know, I really encourage you to look at that if it's, if it's something where you need some persuasive material. So the other thing is um, uh, that, that, that partners are, you know, more of that embryonic stage is, you know, um, am I really going to get a shot at this? You know, is it really something that I'm going to be able to sort of, dis, you know, dislodge an incumbent? And um, certainly in our observations, we're seeing that migrations act as a great catalyst and a great change agent for, for new partners. Um, we see that either through tech refreshes and their natural cycles, that there's a periodic compelling event, or through contracts expiring with co-location. Again, it, are, it allows customers to ask themselves the question, and it's not always the case that the incumbent has the advantage. Sometimes they are actually a little bit concerned about cannibalizing their own business, so they probably might, maybe not be moving as responsively as the customer would like. So again, it's important that you know, it creates a sort of window of opportunity for partners. Their customers as a whole haven't undertaken a lot of projects like this, so they're interested in prescriptive advice. And I have seen a huge amount of customer curiosity, particularly around our sort of born in the cloud type partners, to say they do things differently. How do they do it? Are they culturally different to the sort of traditional suppliers I've had of the past? And I've also seen that there's a changing mindset as well with customers where historically they may have sort of outsourced a responsibility and they've been kept it quite arm's length. So what they're interested in with is partners that engage with them, but actually not just do the work, but help them you know, get educated and trained up. So again, it creates a different type of personality for a partner to adopt, which is like maybe different to what a customer's previously experienced. And, and finally, it doesn't necessarily, particularly for the more transformational projects, less lift and shift, more where we're doing sort of like smart redesigning work, refactoring as we call it, um, there's a lot of demand for that to be done locally with local consultants. So it's not that you need to have a huge infrastructure, offshore migration factories to compete. I often see quite uh, adept small teams working on large projects within our customers. So it's good for, there is an opportunity for new partners to come in and access these, these, these customer accounts. Okay, and I talked about this, this visual image for anyone here who's, who plays squash or knows anything about squash at all, is uh, there's the T in squash and really you know the idea in the game is to is to dominate that tee because then effectively if you're in that position then the guy's got to run around you and uh, and that's also what the sort of migration opportunity presents for our partners is that it gets you in early and as you've seen you know through today and the last few days there's so many new announcements new technologies coming out there's follow-on services so that so it really is you know the migration is a fantastic entry point for for partners that are sort of trying to sort of like build out longer term relationship with customers and, and you know, we'll see that you know, continuing for like our relentless you know, sort of, uh, expansion of services that are available. And, and also the, the, the example that we saw earlier with Edmunds where they were going through sustained waves of transformation and therefore just sort of like deriving like better savings. So again, there's, there's more business cases for work for optimization to be done. So 
the final point that just um, our partners are often sort of mulling over is, well, there's, you know, AWS isn't the only cloud in town, so should I double down on my investments in a particular cloud or so I should spread my bets across the various different hyperscalers? So, you know, what, what I would say, you know, <laughs> it might, might be biased, but, um, uh, you know, what I'd do is I'd just highlight these points here. They come from a Gartner note. We know that CIOs often look to the big analysts to give them influence about who should they choose. And I think when I read what they're saying and what's going out to, to the customers is, um, you know, migrations on AWS is a really solid platform. We're perceived as being the least risky. We've got, you know, a strong reference base. Uh, there's really good levels of support. We have introduced sort of like competencies so you can get a sort of like a certainty about the partners that you're engaging with. And as Annie's going to talk a little bit later, there's going to be more access to funding as well. Okay, so, so they're really the sort of like the main issues that, you know, I think are there to, to create a compelling example about expanding your migration practices. Um, the other thing that we see, and I see this quite regularly, is that um, partners, as they've, you know, as they've grown as businesses, they're they have appetite to take on more uh, larger projects to work with larger customers is, um, is evident, which is great. And, um, but what naturally happens there is that some of these smaller, smaller partner organizations are then sort of like moving into the world of the big enterprise customer. And those customers come with probably a number of questions, concerns, reservations that start to sort of take time up and act as like pitfalls that could be there. So the things that we sort of see as they go for more ambitious projects is that you're in a larger customer. There are a lot more vendors that you have to navigate. Uh, bigger companies like an insurance company might have a medical, private medical insurance business. They might have a, 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 a household insurance business. They might have a automotive insurance and they've got all their own different systems as well. So suddenly you've got lots more stakeholders, lots more lines of management, lots of applications. You're probably into more formalized procurement. You're probably into higher project governance and risk controls uh, in these larger businesses. Uh, there's more complex licensing. Maybe it's an older, more established, more regulated business, and there's more challenges and questions there. Um, there may be uh, more, more pressure on understanding the business case. So what we see quite regularly is our partners saying, you know, this is, these are difficult questions that we need to ask. So one of the things that we've been doing is saying, well, how can we help there? How can we sort of channel our experiences here and make that available to the partners? So we've been, and, we'll talk, and Andy will talk about this in a lot more detail, but we've been building out a whole range of assets that try and help resolve these issues. So, um, oh, got a little complex. So certainly we've been helping out with uh, assets in terms of your delivery practice. So uh, we've created a Confluence site, it's called Migration Central, it's accessible for partners, and it just has a huge amount of project tools that you would use, whether that's an, an, an entire sort of um, backlog of tasks that you could have if you're running it as an agile project. These are sort of 400 plus tasks that you can like, uh, you know, choose and customize for your customers. It could be a racy, you could be running a compliance workshop and you want to have all the material there. Customer might say, oh, how am I going to run my operator? How am I going to operate this, how, um, this infrastructure in the cloud? So we can maybe give you advice and give you assets that can talk them, a customer through the different operating models that are available. In short, there's like a huge repository of data there. We have something as well called migration patterns. So what we see is that when we see a particular pattern, uh, which maybe you've not encountered before, then uh, we've, we document it. Our target is to have about a thousand of those in the library by the end of the year. And, uh, and it just has like our best practice view on how you can undertake that particular project. So it will help you in being able to convince customers that you've got a good approach to do that. You can add, obviously add your own tweak into that as well. But again, it just helps you move forward quickly and not have to do you know, so much work in that sort of costly pre-sales engagement. Um, that also, some of those points around the migration patterns as well, also take some of that risk out because what you're doing is you're demonstrating, you know, an entire sort of like sequential approach for projects. Um, we'll offer, and we'll talk about this shortly, uh, how we will help financially with the project. So again, it might be that there's uh, the cost of running your existing infrastructure whilst making this project change is, is hard for a customer to, to swallow. So how can we help there financially? We'll talk about that. Um, we have these accelerators, so we do have you know, quite a few common questions that come up and uh, we've built out a, uh, a repository of accelerators that can help move things along quickly. 
Um, there is, of course, a whole load of tools and services, and I noticed somebody made that point earlier. Um, you know, and whoever it is, happily talk about that in more detail, about how we can help you get enabled on the tools that we've got available. We've bought some companies recently. Those tools are available for free. You know, you should try and sort of like avoid putting expensive tools into a migration project if you've got, if you can access ours. And, um, and we're more, and we, you know, we're dead keen to help people sort of uh, start deploying those tools as well and educating you on how to use them. Um, uh, and, and there is a broader technical enablement that we're also able to provide, some engagement templates there. Uh, the business case, TCO models, that can also need support. You know, don't start designing your own spreadsheets. We've got lots of those already available that you can use. Um, blueprints around the technology. Um, and, and then there's an, an extra dimension that you have with our solution architects where we can review some of the sort of approaches that you're designing for customers and give an extra level of solution assurance as well. So hopefully it gives you a sense that, you know, there's lots of tactical things that we can help you do uh, when migration projects. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand over Andy now to talk a little bit more about the project, about the programs. Excellent. Thank you, Nick. So good afternoon to everybody. Um, I'm Andy Ferner and I, I'm the global lead for the partner migration program for AWS. And I've been working in that role for the last uh, three and a half years. Thank you for spending the last of your day at uh, reInvent with us on, on this topic, uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, Nick's given you a great overview of why we, firstly, it's attractive to our joint customers to move to AWS, and then why we believe it is a significant business opportunity for you if you're not already um, working in that area. What I'm gonna cover now are the, as Nick said, a little bit more detail on the support that we have available to work with you to both help you develop your migration practices, both from a delivery and technical perspective and from a go-to-market perspective, and then how we can support you when you're actually chasing down those deals and actually delivering against those projects. Um, this slide here shows an overview of how we look at migration projects. It's at the 20,000 foot level, as you can see, and not exactly rocket science, but at the high level, we break down migration projects into three main phases. There's the assessment phase where you'll, we'll be working with the customer to get them understanding what the opportunity is to them to move to AWS with your help, and then putting in place the high level plans and approach and justification for them to make that move. Then once you've got them committed or bought in. The next phase is what we call the migration readiness and planning phase. You may hear it when you're out there working with the AWS sales teams. It's known as the acronym MRP, Migration Readiness and Planning. And that's really where you will get into the detailed planning with your customers on how to approach the migration, drive that migration, and then how they can operate once at production scale once they're over on AWS. And we have, as Nick said, in Migration Central, all the assets, the methodology, all the artifacts are there for you to take and use today. But if you've got your own migration methodology, if you're traditionally worked with customers on migrations and you're now looking to work with them on AWS, we're very supportive of you using your own methodology. One of the things we will do is get aligned with you on what are the critical success factors when you're driving the planning for a migration. What do you need to have in place during that planning phase to ensure you're gonna have a successful migration and successful post-migration operations? But as I said, if you've got a migration methodology, feel free, use it, have at it. We'll work with you to understand how it aligns with our methodology. And then we move actually into the migration phase itself. Typically on large, larger migrations, these are waves of migrations um, moving across based on application groupings or business unit groupings. So at the conceptual level, that is how we look at migration projects. Typically, the assessment phase is a pre-sales activity. And then the, the planning and the migration phase is when you actually get paid the hard dollars or pounds or yen or whatever um, to work with the customer on that. Um, to support you as you work on these migrations with your customers, we have two main programs. 
For those of you who work for, with AWS for a while, you know we've got many, many different programs. But when it comes to migrations, keep two in mind as your primary programs that you should look to when working with your customers. The first is what we call our Migration Acceleration Program, or MAP, and that is our AWS-wide program that is focused on helping customers drive large-scale migrations. MAP is available to customers without partner support, but there are planning assumptions under MAP that 70% of all projects that we drive under MAP have partners engaged driving the delivery of those migrations. MAP is by far the richest investment program. It's more than just an investment program, but when it comes to investing uh, in the migration, MAP is by far the richest. So if your opportunities will fill, fit MAP, then employ that when you're in your discussions with customers. If not, they will fit the partner migration program. The partner migration program, as the name would imply, is only open to customers who are working with SI partners. So that is a partner-only program. For both, for MAP, the expectation is that to use that, you are a migration competency partner. As Nick mentioned in his presentation, uh, we have a competency for migration partners. It sort of sets the bar for your capabilities to work with the end customer to help move them to AWS. MAP, as a default, is open to migration competency partners only. Having said that, how many people in the room are actually a migration competency partner? Thank you, much appreciated, it's good. Those of you who are not, do not despair, because if you bring us a deal that you've sourced or a customer has a strong preference to work with you, then we will still work with you under MAP, as long as A, we believe you can effectively deliver that project, B, you have the capability to get the competency, and C, you make a commitment to get the competency within a defined period of time, typically three to six months, okay? So as I said, if you've got a map size opportunity and you are not a competency partner, do not despair. We potentially and more likely can work with you if you fill, fill those criteria, okay? So MAP is designed for our larger scale migrations. PMP is basically everything else. In terms of where those investments apply, if you remember, I said, when we look at migration projects, there's the assessment phase, the planning phase, and the migration phase. And the assessment phase is typically pre-sales activity. We have a number of, our investments today are primarily focused to offset your costs and the cost of the customers in the planning and the migration phase. We do have tools and artifacts and approaches that you can apply in that readiness assessment phase. And I would encourage you to look at what we have in the MRA, as we call it, the MRA phase, because we find that a hugely valuable selling tool and selling approach to take the customer through a structured migration readiness assessment. And once again, we're very happy to share our approach with you. And it includes uh, an online tool with 80 questions, which basically assess the customer's maturity when it comes to the cloud, the benefits they can potentially get from moving to the cloud, and then the areas they will need to focus on working with you during that planning phase to ensure they have a successful move to AWS and successfully operate once they're over there in AWS. So that is an online tool, it's about 80 questions. We typically combine it with a one-day workshop where we get the key stakeholders in from the customer, the business users and the technical leads and really work with them to map out what their journey to AWS is gonna be like. Hugely valuable selling tool. I would strongly recommend that you look at that, connect with your partner development manager and get them engaging with us and we'll help train you in what happens in the MRA. Very, very useful selling tool. The other thing is, if you, and I was gonna mention this to Nick's point, when you're in there positioning deals with your customers, very likely you're gonna be working pretty closely with the AWS sales teams. If you can speak a common language to the AWS sales teams, that makes them feel a hell of a lot more comfortable working with you. Somebody had one of the um, responses to Nick's uh, question was, uh, I think what it was, um, making the sales teams more open to working with different partners. 
one of the major ways you can get sales teams comfortable with working with them, A, get the competency, but B, speak a common language. Use the same terminology, use the same approach. I would highly, highly recommend that, okay? And then we use the MRA as part of our selling process. So from an investment perspective, as Nick said, when customers move to AWS, there's typically what a one-off cost bubble, as we call it. And these programs are designed to offset, help offset the cost of that to the customer. And they basically apply in the planning phase and then in the migration phase itself. And both programs have the same components. We can make an investment paying you in cash for both the, migration, for the planning and the migration phase. Or that investment can be available in the form of credits to the end customer. Uh, or it can be a mix of both. It's a very, very flexible approach to that. So there's investment from us to offset that one-off cost bubble. Um, we can support you with AWS ProServe. On certain projects, our ProServe team can work with you to do knowledge transfer and help augment your skills on those projects. We have a significant amount of training that is available to you, and I'll cover that in a subsequent slide. Nick's already talked about tooling. We have our own tooling, and we work with the leading migration tooling partners who are in our tooling competency, and many of them offer discounted pricing that is available to you through our marketplace. Especially if you're a smaller partner, often you don't have the pricing clout, shall we say, to negotiate with the tooling vendors. We have done that on your behalf, and that pricing is available to you. We also have um, a partner migration solution architecture team. I'll talk a little bit more about them. But they're there as well, able to support you on your projects. They won't do the work, but they're happy to review your statements of work with you, your approach, and come in at specific points during the project to help ensure that it's on track. So all those resources are available to you. And under both programs, we've got the methodology that you can use, we've got the tooling, we've got the training, and we've got the technical support there for you. And all of that is there to support you and help ensure a successful migration for the customer. The end objective here, uh, in a customer obsession way, is ensuring a successful journey for the customer. And as Nick said, when Gartner did a review of the different migration programs from the, the, the leading cloud providers, we came out very strongly on that for the completeness of the program and the fact that it is focused on the customer success. And through these programs, you have access to all of those capabilities. Okay, um, I've put this, this is a bit of a busy slide, but basically we call this now our seven R's slide. So when we look at migrations, there are seven different strategies that you can apply to moving those applications over to AWS. Interestingly enough, two of those are get rid of it because nobody uses it. Interestingly enough, we've done hundreds of migration projects, and so have our, with our partners, that's into the thousands. Around about 5% of all applications could be turned off today. It's mind-blowing. They're sitting there, they're using server time, and nobody uses them. I mean, you've got to be brave to turn the switch off on them, but nobody's using them. There are still a number of applications that are just too old legacy technology that just, you just can't move to AWS. That percentage is getting smaller and smaller by the year. I mean, it used to be mainframes were in that category, AS400. Gradually, as our tooling partners are getting more sophisticated, our methodology is getting, that, the number of workloads or applications that can't be moved over is getting smaller and smaller as a percentage every year. That typically is about 5% as well. And then the rest of the strategies are, what, how do I move these workloads or these applications over to AWS? Relocate in the middle is basically, it's containerized or it's VMware, I can just lift it over. Rehosting is basically what's called lift and shift. Replatforming is lifting it, doing a bit of tweaking, and then moving it over. Repurchasing is throwing away my existing application and buying an off-the-shelf product. And then refactoring, which is completely rewriting that application to make it more cloud-native. Surprise, surprise, most IT departments, particularly the developers, love the refactoring approach because it's interesting and exciting for them. The trouble is, it's also highly risky and can drag out the timeline for your migration to multiple years, if you ever get there. So be very careful about how much is actually refactored or 
modernized as you move over. So those are all the different strategies. Um, put this slide up here for two reasons. One, to let you know how we think about migrations. And secondly, to say any of these five here are a migration. So if you're working with a customer who's going to throw away their call center application and buy Connect from AWS, that is a migration. If you are bringing over loads of data so that they can take the customer can take advantage of AWS's higher level AI or ML services, that is a migration. So we have a very broad definition of migration. It is not just lift and shift. So keep that in mind when you're out there working with your customers. Our programs will apply in any of these scenarios. In effect, if you're bringing over existing functionality in whatever form and running it on AWS, to us that is a migration. Tools, I'm not gonna go into any great detail about these, but we have a competency for tooling. You can see them along the bottom here. These cover pretty much every one of the stages that you go through when you are um, driving a migration project all the way from assessment through into planning and then into the migration itself. So those are the third party tools. And then up in the top right there, we also have AWS's own migration tools. Um, and as Nick said, beginning of back end of last year, beginning of this year, we bought Cloud Endure, which is a workload migration tool, and we bought TSO Logic, which is a total cost of ownership slash business case tool. Those are all available to you for free. And then with many of these tooling partners down here, we have negotiated discounting rates for you. You can access those tools via AWS Marketplace. So those are available to you on your projects. And we have something called Migration Hub, which is here. One of the challenges when you are running a migration project is you're getting data inputs from many different tools, many different sources. And it's a real challenge to have a single view of all the source data for that migration and how the migration is progressing. We have developed a, a tool called Migration Hub, which is that central repository for where you can get all those inputs in and have a single overall view of the status of the migration project. The inventory, the dependency mapping, and your migration plan for how you're gonna move those over. So once again, this is available to you to use. Okay, a um, little bit more detail here. I've talked about the competency. Um, there are only 75 systems integrator partners who are in the competency. Now that may sound actually quite a large number, but that is global. So there are 75 partners currently in the competency. So I would encourage you to look at that and see if you, that's something you wanna go for. Certainly if you're gonna make a business out of migrating your customers to AWS, it's important that you are in the competency. Customers look to the competency when they're deciding who to work with. AWS sales teams look to the competency when they're deciding who to work with. And as I said, for MAP, if you're in the competency, you get the benefits of that program by default. Okay. So highly encourage you to look at that competency. You can Google it, AWS migration competency, the criteria there, how you apply for it is all there. It's a relatively straightforward process. Uh, and then we've got training and enablement. I'm gonna go into that in a little bit more detail. We've got training to help you get ready for the competency and help develop your practices. And then we've got support and training once you're a more mature migration partner. Let's look at the training. It goes all the way from self-paced online training that's been developed by AWS. We have classroom training run by AWS training. Um, we can work with you if you've got your own internal training organization. We can work with you on training the trainer so that you can have your own teams developing the skills of your organization. For those partners that are heavily engaged and leaning in on migrations, out of the partner migration solution architecture team, we will get working with your delivery teams and do whiteboard sessions, detailed workshops to impart knowledge transfer, best practices and such like. We will also work with your go-to-market teams on sales approach, uh, positioning, messaging, all those sort of things. So that training is available. The more white glove hands-on training is available to those partners who lean in more and are really developing their practice on AWS. And then we can bring tr um, support specific to your actual projects. We have a number of partners 
who have won large migrations. They don't necessarily have all the skills available for that project. We've gone in and just-in-time training for those teams so they can ramp up their teams ready for that migration project. Um, and as I said before, we are happy to have people support your uh, project teams as they're in undergoing and delivering those migrations. So a lot of training available to you. Navigate is training development, and this is designed for partners who are early on in their journey developing their migration practices on AWS. So once again, I'm not going to go into detail about this, but it's a five-step process that really takes you, it's like an on-ramp to the competency. So as a start point, I would encourage you to go and look at AWS, I think it's APN Navigate uh, for migrations. This is a great way of getting you know, the training wheels on as you build up your migration practice. Okay, um, this is the sales motion. As you can see, it's, um, it's very similar. It, it overlays the delivery approach. Um, the key thing I wanted to say here is um, that the business case is critical, especially for large-scale migrations, for the very big migrations. Those are not going to move ahead unless the customer has a strong business case that he can use to justify the investment in the project, because these could be significant investments, and against which to measure the effectiveness and the success of the project. So one of the key things, when, if your aspiration is to drive big migrations, make sure your teams become very skilled in developing business cases, because that is going to be a critical element of getting the approval and support for these large-scale migrations. And we have a number of tools available so TSO Logic is available to partners for free. We can also work with other partners like Risk, where they, you can use their tool as part of developing a business case. And once again, through the Partner Migration SA team, through our Cloud Economics team, we're happy to work with you to help develop your skills in driving and developing these business cases. And next year under MAP, our plan is some customers require a detailed business case before they're even going to move into the planning phase. And so next year on the map, our plan is that we will invest up to $60,000 to help you drive, create these more detailed business plans as part of the sales process. So as you leave this room, think through how you're going to approach starting to position business cases for these large migrations with your end customers. And we are here to help. Connect with your PDM, get them to loop us in, and we'll get working with you on... And, helping develop those skills for you. All right, so Nick's talked about why it's very attractive for customers to move to AWS. I hope he's also explained to you why it can be a very attractive business proposition for you as well. I mean, let's face it, it is a land grab out there. The leading cloud providers are fighting for the largest piece of real estate in the enterprise space. This is probably going to carry on over the next three to five years. When the dust settles, whoever has the loudest footprint is in there for the long term. And that's one of the reasons that in a meeting I was in with Andy Jassy, and as you saw his keynote, you saw he led off with migrations. As far as he's concerned, migrating our joint customers to AWS is the number one priority at the moment for AWS as a business, and hopefully for partners like yourselves. It's up there with operational resilience and security. That's how important this is to us, and hopefully you'll benefit from that, and it'll be important to you as well. If you have a migration opportunity, no matter what stage in the sales cycle, um, bring it to us. Work through the local partner team that supports you. They'll get you connected with us, and we'll figure out how we can support you on that opportunity. As I said, even if you're not a competency partner, bring it to us and we'll figure out a way of working with you. Partner migration program is open to anybody. MAP is only open to competency partners with the caveats or the um, exceptions that I described earlier on. If you find a deal or the customer really wants to work with you, we'll work with you as if you're a competency partner today. Look at the competency requirements. See if that's something you want to do. I would highly recommend it if you're going to drive a business on migrating your customers to AWS. Um, and there's the link to navigate. 
with that, we've probably burdened you with enough information for today, especially as it's the last day, possibly the last session of reInvent. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. We've got about 10 minutes left. Are we able to do Q&A? Q&A, anybody got any questions, comments? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, so the question was, what's the best way of getting connected with us? Um, you submit it through ACE, hopefully. Um, you said other than your PDM. I would start with your PDM, okay? They, they are your entry point into AWS. They will then reach out to Nick. I mean, Nick rounds EMEA. So if it's European opportunity, they'll go to him. If it's North America, they'll come to me or my team. We'll work with you on that and then connect the dots, okay? But use your PDM as the start point or, the, or your partner contact, depending on who that is. Any other questions? I think you have access to these slides as well. It, these sessions being recorded as well. Any questions, comments? Oh, I couldn't see for the light. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, I believe if you're in the APN, it's accessible, isn't it? Pardon? You have to shout, I can't hear. Tell me and I'll shout. Uh, he needs to send us his details. Their details? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just send, just, there's, there's our emails on the yeah. end. Yeah. Just email, there's emails at the end of the presentation or at the front. Email us and we'll get you set up <coughs> on it. Yep. I should know that. Thanks, Nick. Anything else? Three, two, one, done. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Oh, and remember, session app. If you thought I was great, but Nick was crap, mark us up. If it's the other way around, mark us up, okay? <laughs> Thanks very much, everybody. We're here for a few more minutes if anybody's got one-on-one -on -one questions.